ask you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Romans, book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. If I was to begin the statement by saying, I am, how would you finish that statement? Being in a Baptist church, you'd probably have somebody say, well, I'm cold, and you'd have somebody else say, well, I'm burning up. You might be sitting there thinking, I, I didn't get enough coffee this morning, I'm, I'm droggy. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not moving real good yet, or maybe I'm hungry, or then maybe that'll come about in another 30, 40 minutes, I don't know. But uh, there are so many different ways that we could answer or finish that statement, I am. But I want to consider this morning how Paul finished that statement. Uh, I, I was intrigued uh, in, in doing some personal reading this week and, and, and just letting uh, this particular chapter uh, speak to my heart this morning. And uh, I wanted to read the first 16 verses, but for my voice and for coughing and hacking and everything, we won't this morning. But I want us to consider because of the great I am, I am. Of course, the great I am is, is God. Uh, because of him, Paul says, I am this and this and this. Our reading will begin this morning in the 14th verse of Romans chapter 1. Paul said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Uh, let's go, Lord, and board of prayer. Brother Jerry Simmons, it's good to have you back this morning. Would you lead us in word of prayer, please? Hopefully, as we were reading through those few verses there, you picked up on the three I am statements that Paul made. Paul said that I am debtor. He said that I am ready. And then he said, I am not ashamed. Now, therein within just those three statements is, is, is plenty of material for a sermon. Uh, but I want us to go back to verse 5 and, and kind of set a context as to why Paul says I am to all of these things. In verse 5, if you pick up your Bibles there, Romans chapter 1 verse 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Paul says because of the great I am, I have received grace. In verse 5, he says, in whom, in, in Christ, that I have received grace. Now, we're familiar with this idea of what grace is. Uh, grace actually uh, was a word that was used in, in classical Greek to refer to a favor that was done for a friend. 
uh, a favor that was done for somebody that meant something to you. They didn't earn it. Uh, they didn't deserve it necessarily, but you just did a favor for them based on the friendship and the kindredship that you share with that person. When the word came over into the, into the Bible setting, though, it, 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 it kept that same idea of an unmerited or unearned favor, but it loses the idea that it was only done for the friend. Grace is that which is offered to all mankind, and none of mankind deserve or earn. Grace is that giving of eternal life, that forgiving of sins, even though you have not earned that or deserved it. Paul said, because I have received grace from the Father, then I am a debtor, I am ready, and I am not ashamed. I wonder sometimes if we've not, if we've not realized in a while just how precious salvation really is. I wonder if sometimes with all that's going on in the world and with all of the, 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 the division among the inhabitants of this earth, I have never known a time in my life where humanity is divided as the United States and as our world humanity is today. There are such deep dividing lines. And, and sometimes all that stuff that goes on and, and all the things that are going on, and, and, and maybe it's not even bad stuff. Uh, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, uh, good stuff, but there's just so much that's filling our lives now. I, uh, everybody is, 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 is loving this idea of all the technology that's at our, at our fingertips, and that's wonderful. It really is. It's a great tool. But at the same time, that's just cl cluttering, if you will. We have access to so much more. And, and just in, in the amount of time that we've been saved and with all that's going on and with all the extra clutter in our life, perhaps we have lost sight of what we have in Christ as Savior and what that should mean to us. One of the most dangerous things that can happen to a child of God is to have been saved and generally for a long time is where it happens. And well, we're saved and my wife's saved, my kids are saved, uh, my grandkids are either saved or they're below that age of accountability and so we're, we're, we're just kind of satisfied now. Churches who become satisfied are churches who are dying. Not an amen in the house. Churches who are satisfied that they are saved and are no longer reaching out to a lost humanity are churches that are dying. Y'all, we have received grace from God. And we didn't deserve it any more than any other person walking the streets of Arkadelphia today. Not one bit more did we deserve it than them. But we have received it. Paul realized that as a recipient of God's grace, that now he would have to be in a debtor, and now he would be ready, and now he would be unashamed. 
not only does he refer to the idea that he had received grace in verse 5, but he also said, I have received apostleship. Now, I understand that there is the title apostle of which there were only 12, not 13. The church in Jerusalem had acted ahead of God's will, I'm convinced of. God already had a planned apostle to replace Judas Iscariot so that there would only be the 12 apostles. Uh, but there, there is that title and that, that, that position that they held that is no longer available. There are no more technical or, or by the definition of, 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 of this title, apostles. For the apostles had to, had to be taught directly from the Lord. And, and we are taught through his word, but we are not the apostles as the twelve were. However, the word apostle comes from a compound Greek word, apo and stello. Apo is forth or forward, and stello is to send. An apostle is one who is sent forth. Not in the title of the twelve apostles, but in the practicality, you and I are children of God who have been sent forth. Over and over he said, go into all the world. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he said, you are my, uh, you are my witnesses in, Ju in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We have, we've studied for months, for actually for a year over now, uh, John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, and that was the whole point of all of that year worth of preaching is, guys, I'm leaving, but the work doesn't stop. I'm sending you just the way that God sent me with a job to do. Paul said, I have received grace. I have received apostleship. I have received that being sent forth. And as he describes this, he explains the purpose of us being sent. Notice in verse 5, he says that I have received grace, or we have received grace. We have received that sending forth, that apostleship, for a particular reason. Notice what that is. For obedience to the faith among who? All nations. Our world and our culture and time is becoming enamored with the phrase multicultural. Some churches are adapting to it well. Some are going way beyond what is necessary and what is set forth in biblical guidelines to become multicultural. And others are shrinking away from it. Paul said, because you and I and he has received grace... And because he and I and you have been sent forth. And because we have been sent forth to bring about obedience unto faith in all people. Do you see what, Pat, what, what Paul is saying? Before Paul sets into all the things that he is, he lays the groundwork. I am these things, but there's a reason why I'm these things. And it's because I have received grace, I have received apostleship, and I have been sent forth with a purpose, and that is to cause others to respond in obedience unto faith, and it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they're like. doesn't matter what their past is. doesn't matter uh, what their persuasion in this or that and the other is. 
but I have been sent with a purpose. And all this is couched upon what God has already worked in our lives. I, I would ask you this morning, have you received grace? And if you have, what is it motivating you and I to do? Fill a spot on a pew? Is there not more that God would have for us than to just fill a spot on a pew? Because of the great I am and what he has already done in my life, Paul says, I am. We'll look for the rest of our time this morning at the three statements that Paul made that I am. He begins first of all and he says, I am obligated. In verse 14, if you'll be reminded, he said, I am debtor. The word debtor has the idea of having an obligation, of being obligated. Hold your place in the book of Romans and flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me remind you that this idea of, of sharing this gospel, and that's what we're going to find out that Paul is so ready to do. Uh, we live in a time and a culture in which most people think, well, that's the pastor's job. And it is the pastor's job. But guess what? It's every child of God's job. We are all to be spreading the gospel. We are all to be going to, that, uh, to those that uh, are lost and leading them to that obedience of the faith of all people. And, and so it's all of our work to do. So when we talk about this idea of preaching and, and declaring the gospel, understand that that is a work that we are all to be doing. Not everybody is called to be a pastor. I grant that. But every child of God is called to be a witness and to expound and to share and to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. In, Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 16, <coughs> Paul said, For though I preach the gospel... I have nothing to glory of. Y'all don't, don't be impressed or brag on me. Y'all don't think I'm something special because I preach the gospel. He says, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Where is that, where is that, that, firm conviction in, in the Christian world of 2019 that says, I've got to tell people about Jesus. I must do it. Woe unto me if I do not. Christ has compelled me. He has constrained me. Paul talks about because we have been uh, constrained with the love that we've received to share that love with others. The gospel that we've received, we are constrained now to share with others. Paul said, I'm obligated. Child of God, please understand this morning, member of Faith Missionary Baptist Church, we have a duty. We have a responsibility. And again, it's so much more than just filling a spot on a pew. It's so much more than filling a spot on a pew and, and putting a, an offering in the offering plate. 
It's so much more than, than, than doing those things and, and, and making sure you show up for work days and attend to this and that and the other. And It's not hard many times to get churches to do the physical things. It is difficult now, though, in the world in which we live to find children of God and to motivate children of God so that they will get involved in the spiritual things and understand they have a duty and a responsibility. We owe it to God and we owe it to lost humanity to share the gospel. We're obligated. Can you, can you, can you not, can we not just think for just a moment how selfish that would be to receive it, such this wonderful thing of God's grace, and it become a dead-end street with us. I heard a, a, a preacher here quite some time ago, years ago, that used that phrase, and it's stuck in my mind ever since then. Grace is not to be a cul-de-sac or a dead-end street for us. We receive it, it flows through us unto others. If it stops here, then there's a problem. And I notice what Paul says. Paul says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. This is an idiom, if you will. It's a, it's a, it's a statement that, that goes from one extreme to the other. And literally what it does is the idea in the Greek's mind, as Paul was writing this, and in the Roman's mind, that the, the time set was, is what Paul is saying is he's divided everybody into one or two camps. And, and in this particular setting, there are no others. You either speak Greek or you don't. There's not a lot of middle ground. You see what I'm saying? There's, there, there's not a, a third category here. Well, but these speak Portuguese. Well, okay, but they still fit into one of those two categories. You either speak Greek or you don't, okay? It's kind of like male or female. You, and I, now, we won't go down that way. You're male or you're female, period, all right? You either speak Greek or you don't speak Greek. And that's what Paul said. Paul says, I owe a debt to the guy that speaks Greek and the guy that doesn't speak Greek. What Paul is saying is, I am obligated to all mankind. It doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what their affiliation is here or there or yonder. Doesn't matter how wise they are, because he goes on and says, not only to the ones that speak Greek and the ones that don't speak Greek, <coughs> but I also owe an obligation to those that are wise and those that are not. And again, what he's trying to help, under, help us understand is, woe unto us if we don't preach the gospel to all mankind. Doesn't matter. For years, our churches in the South have struggled with this. Still today, there are churches that say, well, if your skin color is a certain color, you walk in those doors, we're to ask a word of prayer and dismiss services and go home. Shame on God's people. Shame on them. Jesus loves and died for those of another skin color just as quickly as he did our skin color. Yeah, well, this guy is not a different skin color, and I'm not prejudiced against skin color, okay? You may not be. But we can find some area that we are prejudiced one way or the other. I, I do. I do. 
I've been in a few settings, situations where I came in contact with somebody and my first thought was not I owe it to him to see if there's a door of opportunity to share the gospel, but what I owe it is I owe it to myself to get far away from him. That's the first thought. That's the first thought. Paul said, I owe it to all mankind to prove that the Bible is a book that is a multicultural book and that it doesn't need to be changed and adapted and modified and renewed and everything. Just bear with me just a little bit. It becomes very apparent, according to this article, that the gospel has always been for everybody. As early as in Genesis chapter 3, when the fall of man occurred, the gospel was offered both for the male and the female. Adam and Eve both received the announcement of the gospel. In Daniel, we find that the dreaded Babylonians, as well as the persecuted Jews, were given the invitation of the gospel. In the ministry of Jesus Christ, the gospel was taught to publicans and sinners, as well as to those who were privileged and had higher education and higher birth. Men like Nicodemus received the same gospel, the same invitation that the harlot received that had been caught in the very act of adultery. Whenever God sent word to Peter to go to Cornelius' house, Peter went and the point was made unto him and Peter said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him. The Gospel of John, the Gospel was given to a woman of Samaria again. Not a moral woman, but a very immoral woman. And yet the gospel was given to her. Jesus has showed the geographical scope in which our gospel pro proclamation is to take place. Go ye into all the world. Again in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I don't know if God's people in 2019 have forgotten these things or if we've, we've become willingly uh, ignoring. Uh, we will uh, willingly ignore these truths that we are sent forth into a world and that we have an obligation. In Romans chapter 1, Paul said, verse 1, he said, I'm a servant, I'm a slave. Never does a slave go and tell his master what he'll do and what he won't do. Never does a slave tell the master, well, I'm going to leave that for the other slaves to do. The slave's will has been swallowed up by the will of the master. So he just does what his master wants him to do. Paul said, I've been separated unto. Just very quickly, the idea that is inherent in that Greek language and the words that he uses, is, it's as if God drew a big circle on a chalkboard 
and put a dot in it and said, this dot is you, Paul. And this circle is the sphere of the gospel. Remember when you was a kid, your mom and daddy told you you could go out and play, but you can't go, and, and some of y'all grew up out in the country, so you, this doesn't make sense to you, but you can't go out of the yard, or you can't go here, there, yonder. You, you, had, your, you had your parameters with which you had to stay, your boundaries. That's exactly what God did to Paul. That's exactly what God's done for you and I. He said, listen, here are the boundaries, my gospel, to a whole world. You can't go beyond that. You got no business on the other side of it. There's nothing over there for you. You stay in this sphere of the gospel, sharing it, sharing it, sharing it, sharing it with all. Paul said, I am obligated. I found this quote. I just, I, I had to share it with you. I, I, you may have to read it two or three times, let it think, sink in good, but obligation to him who died produces an obligation to those for whom he died. I liked that statement. Christ died for me, has given me a gift. I've received that. I've become obligated to him because he is the purchaser of my soul. And if I'm obligated to the one who died, then I also become obligated to all of those for whom he died. And I understand that Calvinists would say, well, that eases things because there's a lot of them for which he did not die. But the Calvinist is wrong because Jesus died for all. And so, therefore, we are obligated unto all. I like the next word. He said, I am eager. You know, when we think of an obligation, we generally do not think of that in a positive light. We think of an obligation being a joyless commitment to an unpleasant task. But Paul said, let me balance that. I do this because I have an obligation to God and to all men, but I do this also because I am ready. This word ready is... is uh, considered uh, by all of the Greek dictionaries to have the idea of a eagerness and excitement to do something. When Jesus came back and he saw his disciples were sleeping and he told them that the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. The spirit indeed is willing. That word willing is the same word. Your spirit is eager. It's excited to do what I've asked you to do but your flesh is your problem. It's weak. How do you explain what Paul did when he went from town to town to town to town to town doing the same thing every time he got to a town and he got run out of that town for that? How do you explain him continuing to do it every time he went to a new town? If it's nothing more than obligation, I'll promise you somewhere along the line he's going to get tired of getting whooped and he's going to quit. At some point in time, Obligation will only take you so far. Just to be reminded of what all it had cost Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 27. Paul describes all the things that he had suffered. 
the beatings and the, the stonings and being left for dead and the shipwrecks and all of these things. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 23, Paul talks about how that the Spirit had testified to him in every city. I've never noticed that before. Every city that Paul would go to, the Spirit had told him, you will suffer in this city for it. And yet he kept going. And yet he kept doing. Why? Not only did he feel obligated, but it was his joy. He was eager, excited to have the opportunity to tell somebody of the cross of Calvary and the joy and the peace and the eternal life that could be theirs. I am eager. I asked you this morning when we began, I am what? And I, I doubt very seriously that many of us would have thought along the lines, I am under an obligation to God and I'm under an obligation to everybody out there and everybody in here. And I am ready. I am eager. I'm excited about the opportunity. I get a text from a church member just about every Saturday night or Sunday morning. And they, they tell me they, they can't wait to get here and they're excited about what I have for them this morning. And I appreciate those texts. They mean so much to me. Such a source of encouragement. I have nothing for you though. God has for you. And every time this person sends this text, you can, well I won't tell you who it is so you can't ask them, but just take my word for it. I'll usually reply and tell them, I'm so excited about this, this Sunday. Every, just about every service, I, I'm so excited about what God has laid upon my heart. There's a lot of times I get up here and make a mess of it. There's a lot of times I cough and hack and there's times where I stumble and, and, and my words won't come out right and I'll, I'll lose my train of Listen, I'm full of, of, of faults and failures, but there is a joy in standing and proclaiming the message of God to people who need to hear the message of God. And every time we get a chance to share, every time we get a chance to share the gospel, then there is a chance that somebody's life is going to be changed. Somebody posted something on Facebook last, after last Sunday's sermon. And it was forwarded to me, because I don't get on Facebook very much anymore, and, but it was forwarded to me and and, and how it had, that message was so convicting and it had touched their lives and reminded them of some things. And when it was forward to me, I said, it is such a joy to know that your labors have changed and impacted somebody. Oh, just think about it for a moment. When Paul meets Lydia and shares with her, when Paul meets this one and that one and the other, the jailer, and he shares. The Roman guard that sat chained to him seven days a week. Paul said, I am eager. Faith, can, can it honestly be said of our membership today that we are excited, we are eager 
to share the gospel or have we gotten satisfied? Satisfied churches or dying churches. I am unashamed. The idea of this word unashamed, what Paul is literally saying is, I am not reluctant, I am not hesitant to declare his God-given message for fear of failed expectations or for fear of humiliation. Paul says, I don't back up, I don't shrink from preaching the gospel I don't I don't shrink from the opportunity to share with somebody whether it's behind a pulpit or it's it's standing uh, in the in the gates of the city or wherever it is I don't shrink back from it I don't hesitate for a moment sharing the gospel because I'm afraid that my expectations of it will fail Does that mean that everybody that Paul shares the gospel with is going to be saved? No. But what it does mean is this. When you and I share the gospel, you see the gospel has to be responded to in faith. So if I share the gospel and you do not receive that gospel through faith, it's not the gospel that failed, it's the recipient of the message that failed. Because they didn't put their faith in him. My job is not to produce faith. My job is to share with them and give them the opportunity to exercise faith. But the gospel never fails. It's never failed. And it will not fail. And I don't care if this world lasts for another 10,000 years and mankind's flying around in spaceships and hovering this and that and the other and there's no more this and that and the other and all the things have changed. The gospel of Jesus Christ will still be powerful. Paul said, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Paul said, I'm not, listen, I'm, all you other churches, y'all do whatever you want to do. You can talk about your multi multicultural world and you can talk about all the changes in society and so you've got to adapt and change the message and you've got to adapt and change this and that and the other. And, and I'm not saying we can't change anything, but I'm telling you the power of the gospel still works. And it'll always work. Paul said, I am not backing up from it because I'm afraid it will fail me. And he said, I'm not going to back away from it because... I'm afraid of the humiliation it will cost me. Remember what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth? He said the preaching of the cross is what? To many people. Foolishness. Now follow that line of reasoning. It's, it's not real hard. If preaching of the cross to many is foolishness and I preach the cross, what do they consider me then? Paul said, call me what you will. I don't care. I am not. I am not. Listen to me. Let's just get this down to where it really meets the rubber, meets the road today. I am not shutting my mouth about Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ for fear of what they're going to call me. I'm not doing it. I am not going to get reluctant to share the gospel because they call me this or they call me that. It all just kind of is it, just a, a thing that keeps feeding upon itself. 
I'm not going to quit preaching the gospel. Why? Well, I have an obligation. And I have a joy. And that leads me to preach the gospel. And I'm not going to stop doing it. Why? Because I have an obligation. It brings me joy. And it's just a, a, a cycle that just continues to perpetuate itself as we go to a world and we tell them and share with them. Your life's a shambles. That's what sin does. But as Sister Jane played a few weeks ago on the organ, you can take all the broken pieces of your life and you can bring them to the Lord. And he'll put them back together. Because of the great I am and what he has done, Paul says, I am obligated. I am eager. And I am not ashamed. What are you this morning? What am I? Father, we come to you this morning. <coughs> we ask for forgiveness. Lord, I, I, not because it's judging, but it's a simple truth that we all would have to confess if we would just be honest. There's not a one of us that's taking advantage of every opportunity you've given us. So there's always room for us to work harder, to do more, to share more. Father, help us this day to feel and to sense and to accept our obligation. Help us to develop that eagerness, that burning desire. It's almost like you, you, you just can't keep it in. It just, it's going to explode if you don't let it out. Oh God, may we never be ashamed, reluctant, or hesitant to preach your gospel. And may all this today, Father, be because we realize in whom we have received grace and ascending forth and a purpose. As we stand and prepare for this verse of invitation, may your spirit stir and move in our hearts and in our midst. And God, may we have that heart open, soft ground to receive the seed of your word today. Not hard and packed not filled with the cares of this world and not just letting it barely penetrate so that when times get tough it dies but father help us to open our hearts with a deep trench to allow your seed to come in and bring forth fruit and we ask these things in your precious name amen